Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. I would like you to turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4. And we're going to look at some very important and very powerful scriptures. Matthew's Gospel in chapter 4. And verse 1 onwards. If you open your Bibles with me, open your digital Bibles, your physical Bibles, your uh, Bibles in any form. And let's look at Matthew's Gospel 4, verse 1 onwards. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's interesting as I looked up the scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm going to make a statement that might shock some of you. If we are not living upon the word that comes from God's mouth, we are probably dead. Hmm. Let's say that again. If we are not living every day upon the word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, we're probably dead. Because life comes through the word and living upon the word. So when Jesus was tempted and the tempter comes to him and says, can you make this stone of bread? And I'm going to get into that a little bit. But he stands there and declares this famous statement which is in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. Man shall not live by bread alone. Now everybody knows we need bread and food to live. But when God was going on to say, but you are, if you are living only by bread, you truly have not started living. Amen. If you're living only by the provision that has come in, God's miraculous provisions, God's giving a job or God giving a blessing or God giving a promotion or God giving an honor. If you're living only by that, you probably haven't started living. What do we live by? We often live by the provisions we have. We live by our knowledge. Some of us have great knowledge. (laughs) Some of us have little knowledge. Some of us have no knowledge, but we talk like we have all knowledge. Uh, But we live by it. We live by what we know. Some of us live by our reputation. We create a reputation around us. Do you know who he is? Wow. He's so and so. He's famous. He's this, that. Some live by our fame. You know, if we don't, if you're not famous, we try that, uh, what, a, a minute to win it or, you know, somehow become famous, 10 minutes to glory or something like that. To become famous and we try to become famous in this world. And so that we can somehow be recognized by people and become famous. You know, one of my, uh, a dear pastor friend of mine, recently he had an encounter when he was lying down in bed and he was caught up in the spirit. And for the next few hours, he was taken in the spirit to heaven. And he's a successful pastor. He has a good church and large following. And, you know, they're online and he's traveling the nations and he's preached on large platforms and all of that. And when you do 
quite well and you think in your heart, you know, we have achieved something, we have done something. In fact, this man of God confessed to me, he said, ministry was my idol. He said, I used to go to work at four in the morning to the church office and he said, I would come back at 10 o'clock in the night, working morning to night for the sake of the ministry. Now, I know we say the pastor must always be available, I'm sure, but uh, if you work like that, he will not be available. He'll soon be dead. He'll soon be gone. But the thing I want to say is that he was caught up in the spirit and he met with Jesus and he encountered Jesus and he was, you know, Jesus was so overpowering that everything about his life is bare before the Lord. But in a moment in his heart, he was thinking, oh, that's going to be the obvious thing God is going to look at. But he said, every cell in my body begin to experience the love of God. He said, I wasn't feeling God's love just in my heart, in my soul. He said, I can't explain it. It was like God's love was going into every cell in my body. God was everything, everywhere. He was altogether God in that place. And then this man of God made a statement. God showed him many things and told him many things. And one of the things God told him and showed him, he said, I want you to know many of the people that are famous here on earth today, are not famous in heaven. He said there are many people who are famous on earth today. Even in the ministry. Those who love God. Who are preachers. Who are pastors. Who are famous men of God. And he said when you get to heaven. Many of them are not famous. There are many people. Who are nameless and faceless people here on earth. Hallelujah. And those kind of people. Many of them. He was saying are famous in heaven. Because God has seen what man has not seen. God has seen your pursuit of God. God has seen you go after God. God has seen you love and sacrifice for the Lord and do things for God. God has seen it. Others have seen the men of God. God has seen you in the secret place worshipping God. So when we go after fame, we try to live by fame. We try to live by our abilities. We try, some try to live by the connections we have, the contacts we have, by the identity we have. He's so and so. He's the president of so and so. He's the prime minister or or he's the whatever, or the, the identity we have, our recognition we try to live by, the attention we ha- get from people. Oh, we're so excited when people give us attention, and people give us recognition. And if we are a believer or a pastor or a leader, we try to live by our ministry skills, our ability to sing, our ability to lead in worship, our ability to preach, our, our positions in the ministry. One day I was in a pastor's conference and I was preaching after the meeting one young pastor came to me and said pastor lay hands on me and I said and what? He said I want you to pray that I have the gift to take one verse and preach for one hour on it so I, I, I said well, what if God wants you to preach more than one verse uh, you know the, the ability to skill we have in the ministry to somehow we want to be famous, we want to be noticed we want to be watched, we want, we want people to see us we want everyone to know who we are and God had a different take on this. I want you to look at Deuteronomy and chapter 8. Now I want to read a scripture that's really, really struck a chord in my spirit. Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 20. And I want you to open up your Bibles because in His Word there is life. Amen. Look at this scripture together. Deuteronomy. I want to encourage all the people, you know, make sure you get your eyes on the scriptures, physical Bibles, digital Bibles, whatever, but study the scriptures. Let's look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1 says, All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, 
You shall be careful to do. God is saying. How to do it? Careful. To do it carefully. That you may live. Hallelujah. He's saying the only true place of really living is when you are carefully obeying what God has asked. Amen. And so when that you might be careful, careful to, to do, to do that you may live and multiply. God had somehow tied up the obeying of the commandments to the actual place of living. That you may live and multiply, which is God has tied up a blessing of multiplication also to the life of obedience. And go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Now here is the Moses speaking to the Israelites and telling them, and telling them, I want to, you know, God has promised he's going to give you the promised land. There is a promised land. But right now, where are they? They're in the wilderness, right? Right now they're in the wilderness. And he's saying, but if you are careful to keep my commandments, you will live until you get to the promised land. And you will go in and possess the land which the Lord has sworn to your fathers. Which means you will be partakers of the promise to your forefathers. Then it says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 days, 40 years. Which means don't forget how God has been leading you. You know, uh, just the other day, uh, you know, uh, one of my family Close relatives asked me, so as you look back at the last year God has blessed you with, and you look back at the last years of your life, what is it that you have to say? I was looking for a presidential address, a nice preaching or a word to share. But actually in my heart, I said, I have only one thing to say. And they said, what is it? I said, I want to say, I'm grateful to God. As I look back through last year, and as I look back through the last years, I am just grateful to God. I'm grateful to God for everything God has done. I'm grateful to God for the honor he has given. I'm grateful to God for the challenges God has given. Amen. How many of you know that you're walking today because you challenged, you were challenged by gravity. Amen. And you stood up and you fell down. You stood up and you fell down. Which means your muscles are stronger today because of the challenges you faced. Don't ask God to take away the challenges. Ask God to give you supernatural grace upon your life. That you and I can live as overcomers over. Hallelujah. Jesus said, in this world, you what? You may have trouble. You might have trouble. You sometimes will have trouble. What does it say? You will have trouble in this world. Why? Because into the systems of the world, trouble is built in. And trouble is not necessarily a bad thing. The way we handle trouble is the challenging thing. Every one of us, you and I, we all have trouble. The Lord says, you shall remember all the way in which the Lord led you in the wilderness these 40 years. That he might, that he might humble you. Led you 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. Wow. Now I want you to know something. This is a type of Jesus Christ and his church. And every one of us, the Bible says, that we are waiting a promised land. Amen. And the period, the 70 or 80 years we have in between, this is our wilderness time. And how we walk with God in these 70 or 80 years is actually going to influence our eternity. Amen. And so it is in this wilderness that we are trying to become famous. Famous in the wilderness. (laughs) Among the scorpions. (laughs) Famous and this is the place we are trying to impress people. 
And it is this wilderness that we are trying to become wealthy and and, and you know, when the whole people of Israel left out of Egypt, they, they, were, they, they came with the, the domesticated animals and gold and silver and all of that. And so you can just imagine, uh, among the Israelites, there would be, you know, the Forbes' uh, richest five, 500 Israelites among those in the wilderness. Amen. Those that left from Egypt and took, you know, the cattle and the oxen and the gold and the silver. And we are comparing what we have in the wilderness. And that is a bad standard to compare by. Hallelujah. Because how we live our life in this wilderness is going to affect how our eternity is going to be. Amen. So what does it say over here? He humbled you and led you to be hungry. Now look at that. He's telling about Israel. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know. He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But by man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Which means when God gave them manna, there was a purpose behind God giving them manna. When God gave them manna, he kept, I'll tell you about that purpose. It says your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Thus you are known in, in, know in your heart that the Lord your God was disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Read that line with me together. Therefore you shall what? Keep the commandments of the Lord your God and to walk in his ways. And the next line, and to fear him. Hallelujah. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountain and springs, for flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of wines and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olives and honey, and where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron, and out of those hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which God has given you. What is he saying? He's saying when God is taking you into this new land, it is going to be a land that you're going to look forward to. Hallelujah. So while you're in the wilderness, don't mess up the promise of God that God has kept for us. Hallelujah. Don't fall short of the glory that God has called us to live. Look what verse 11 says. Let's read it together. Verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commands and His ordinances and statutes which I am commanding you today. Many people say, I forgot to pray. Actually, no, forgetting to pray, you haven't forgotten the Lord. When you forget to keep His commandments, you have forgotten the Lord. Sometimes we can just be worshipping Him while we are walking and we didn't say our prayer. Sometimes we can spend a whole morning in worship and not have read the Bible. That's not when you forget the Lord. You forget the Lord when you ignore His commandments. When we ignore what the Lord is speaking to us and, and we're saying, oh, I know that. And today is now, nowadays, you know, they, they, especially they say Gen Z. Gen Z is growing up in a, I, I really don't know what Gen, which way Gen Z is heading. They're not sure which way they're heading actually. Because the word of God gives us direction. And any generation that walks without the guidance of the word of God will, you know, Gen Z, one of the, you know what they say, one of the greatest challenges of Gen Z is, is identity and purpose. 
They don't know who they are and they don't know why they're here. You take away identity and you take away purpose and you've got their lifetime. And that is how the enemy is trying to take, a, take, take away a generation. And this is the very thing Satan came attacking Jesus. He, if you are the son of God, identity. You see, there were, he's coming and attacking that. Because if he attacks your identity, he's got your purpose. He won't know what to do with your life if you don't know who you are. And why God has brought you here. So the Lord is saying, beware that you don't forget the Lord your God by keeping his commandments and his ordinances and statutes which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply, then all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud. God is saying, I want you to beware. God is saying, warning the people, beware that when God blesses you, that you don't become proud in your heart and forget the Lord by God. How? By saying, by proud and forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And he led you through terrible and terrible wildernesses and all of that and fed you were 16 in the wilderness. He fed you with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and he might test you to do good for you in the end. Look at this. So that he might, read that together. So that he might humble you and he might humble, verse 16. In the wilderness he fed you with manna which fathers did not know that he might what? He might humble you and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Which means in this wilderness season of our life, the 70, 80 years we are living, the humbling us and testing us is so that God wants to do good in our life. Hallelujah. Many of us are praying, Lord, take away these tests from my life. Take away these problems from my life. When the Bible is saying this wilderness is a place where God is humbling us, testing us, working on our lives, pouring in our lives so that he can build us up. And prepare us for his mighty purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says verse 17. Otherwise. Otherwise. Which means. If you don't have challenges and problems and all of these things. Otherwise. You might just say in your heart. It's with my strength I did all these things. With challenges also we are saying. I fought hard. I came up. You don't know how much I worked. You never able to work unless God enabled you to. You know, I always love saying this. Even for an atheist to say there is no God, he needs God's help to keep him breathing. So when he says there is no, and he can't take the next breath, God needs to help him say there is no God. Can you imagine? The Bible says in verse 17, Otherwise, you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand has made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God. For Let's read that together. Verse 18. Let's go. For you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. That he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Who is behind wealth? The Bible is saying God is the one that gives you the power. To make wealth. Now most people stop there. Look at the rest of it. 
He gives you the power to make wealth. What's the rest of it? That, which means he's attaching a purpose to the wealth. He's attaching a purpose to why he's blessing you. And he's saying that, let's read it, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. You know what that means? You and I, obeying the Lord is directly going to full affect the prophecies and the promises given to the fathers. Hallelujah. God has given profession, pro- prophecies and, and blessings and, and God's will and plan. And God is saying, you will say, my part has made me wealthy. And all of that. Verse 19, it shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God. In this wilderness life. If you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods. And serve them and worship them. God is telling Israel, I testify against you today that you will surely perish. What is he saying? In this wilderness season, you will have many, many things that have an opportunity to become your God. And if they become your God, the Bible says you will perish in the wilderness. Just like Israel perished in the wilderness. If you read 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says the storyline of Israel in the wilderness is a warning to the church in the New Testament. So when the Bible says that you may perish in the wilderness, and he's saying in 1 Corinthians 10 that much of them perish in the wilderness because they did not obey the commandments of the Lord. It directly affects your prophecy. Hallelujah. How are the prophecies in our life fulfilled? Because we stepped out in faith and obeyed. We will never really see the prophecies of God fulfilled in our life unless we obey. You know, even as I had to go and pioneer in a new place, if you ask me, I I was not happy. Many of y'all are not happy. I think the only person happy was God. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But truly, for me, the choice was between honoring the word of the Lord or falling in love with an Isaac. Amen. The choice was between honoring the word of the Lord and falling in love with an Isaac. The same test I have, you have in your circumstances in life. When God is challenging you and me, will you honor God's word or will you make Isaac your God? Will you make that your God? You know, I want you, some people say, you know what, uh, now, they may say, oh, I go to that church because that pastor's there. If that pastor's not there, I'm not going to church. Then you weren't going to church. Ah. Oh, come on now. This is good preaching. Then you weren't going to church. You were going for good word or good worship or good product. Church is a family. It's not a product company. Church is a place where God brings his family to come and do life together. And that's why church is church. And church is not the pastor. The church is God's people. It's his family. All of us doing life together. And so Jesus will literally to do in Deuteronomy. This is a context in which this, this whole backdrop of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness is coming. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. And look at the parallels in the, in the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 and 3. 
We see some parallels. It says in verse 2 and 3, You shall remember all the way the which the Lord has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that He might humble you, testing you to know that what's in your heart, whether you keep His commandments or not. He humbled you and let you know, be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, that He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. Which means He took us into the wilderness, allowed us to go through challenges, Allow us to go through difficult times just to let us know that God can open the heavens and give us so much provision. He does not need natural systems of the world because He is a miracle working God. Hallelujah. He said, I took you into the wilderness so that you will have lack that I can provide, that you will know that I am God, so that when you get into Canaan and you prosper there, you will not say, it was us. You will say, we remember all the way it has been God. Hallelujah. Amen. If we don't have challenges, we will become proud and say, it was me all the time. That is why I sum all these years into one word. Grateful. I'm just grateful to God. Because I know at every point in our life, God has come in. God has come into those circumstances. When you compare Deuteronomy 8 and Matthew 4, all these different places in God's word, you look at the temptations of Jesus. There's so much in common between these two scriptures. In Deuteronomy 8 it says, You shall remember all the way in which the Lord has led you in the wilderness. In Matthew's Gospel 4, the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus in the wilderness. Look at the type. It was literally, you know, in, literally like Israel in place of Israel. The, it was God leading them in the wilderness. Then you see it was a season. For these 40 years, Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, For these 40 years I led them in the wilderness. And Jesus in the wilderness, 40 days, Jesus was fasting and seeking God in the wilderness. The Bible says the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Oh, wait a minute. The Spirit led him into a place where there was no food. Spirit led him into a place where there was no provision. Yeah, to fulfill the prophecy of Deuteronomy 8. That you will know that it is I who opened up the heavens and gave you manna. Hallelujah. So you see 40 years and 40 days. And then it says what was the purpose of the wilderness? It says, that he might humble you. That he might test you. Which means, what's the purpose of these 70, 80 years? Because we, we, we came from God. We're going to God. We'll be worshipping him there. What's the purpose of these 70, 80 years? Actually, what happens in these 70, 80 years? Our hearts get exposed. That's what happens in these 70, 80 years. That was a good place to say, man. That's what happens here. Because in heaven, everything is exposed anyway. Now, on earth, you know, before we came, there was nothing we could brag about. But on earth, who we really are gets exposed. And so, the, he says, the purpose that he might humble you, testing you. And the Bible says, Jesus was tested in the wilderness. Israel was tested in the wilderness and Jesus was tested in the wilderness. Why? To know your heart and whether you would keep his commandments or not. Jesus stood there and said, not my will, but your will be done. There was a testing in the wilderness. Not only was a testing, it says, and he humbled you and let you be hungry. People were hungry in Israel in the wilderness. Jesus was hungry after 40 days. The Bible says at the end of 40 days, Jesus grew hungry. And so there was the same temptation that they had in the wilderness. Now Jesus was having here in the wilderness here. They wanted food. Jesus wanted food. 
Now they were tempted and they began to complain. And they began to say, oh back in Egypt, oh back where we were, we sat around pots of meat and curry and ah, what a good life we had. But a few chapters ago, they were crying out to the Lord because the affliction upon them by the Egyptians were too hard. They forgot where they came from. But now they are beginning to, you know, they get hungry. And Jesus was hungry. And as at that time, the Bible says, God opens up the heavens and sends manna. And we see in Jesus' time, the angels came and ministered to him. Hallelujah. That they took care of those needs that he had. That the Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, that he might make you understand. Why did God allow them to go through the wilderness? So that they can understand. Man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How many of you have been through a storm in your life? And how many of you know you have got a word from God in that storm that kicked you alive? Hallelujah. One word from God that came. One manna turned your wilderness into a pool. One word from God just changed your entire pain into faith. One word from God changed your entire confusion into joy. Because the testing is to actually, the, the wilderness, the not knowing, the lack, the confusion, is that God can test your heart to see if you will believe. If you will still love the Lord. See, man's lust is for the obvious. Man always wants, Eve looked at the, uh, the apple or the orange or whatever she looked at. You know, she, um, she looked at the fruit and, and the Bible says it was desirable. It was good to eat and she saw it was desirable and just like you walk in front of a nice shoe store and you saw one shoe and it was desirable. And a bag that is desirable or a phone that's desirable. Or a, it was desirable. Man's lusting for the obvious. And God commands us, love not the world, not the things of the world. God's commandment to us is do not fall into the trap of falling in love with the things of the world. Love the people of the world, but don't fall in love with the things of the world. Don't fall in love with the ideologies of the world, the reputation of the world, the knowledge of the world, the all of that. I want you, I'm begging you church, live your entire life with this one word, grateful. It was grace that brought me safe thus far. Grace will lead us home. Amen. Live gratefully. There are, there are a million things I can be boastful about. But somehow I want to focus on grateful. Because grateful is powerful. Amen. Grateful is powerful. Grateful is left the door open for God to swing in again. Hallelujah. Grateful is, is saying, God, you've done it before. You've always done it before. I know you're a, I know I am who I am by the grace of God. That keeps us grateful. Hallelujah. So what is, what is this? The purpose of God is the primary thing God wants us to look at. Of course there's intimacy with God, there's worship and all of that. That is relational. But Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, which means He worked on us, created in Christ Jesus for, come on, for, for good what? For good what? Which means God's part of his creation design is for us to do purpose. He's given us identity 
so that we can actually do purpose. The first thing we need to know that it was the Holy Spirit who led him into the wilderness and so that he can face that challenge because he came for a purpose. He came from heaven to the wilderness, lived those 33 year and a half years so that he can walk with a purpose. Look at Amos 2 and verse 10. Amos 2 verse 10 says like this, It was I who brought you from the land of Egypt. It was I who brought you from the land of Egypt. And I led you in the wilderness for 40 years. Read that with me. I who brought you from the wilderness and I who led you for for 40 years. Why? That you may what? You might take possession of the land. I led you through the wilderness so that there's a purpose. That you can get out there and take possession of that which God has for you. God did not lead you till now, keep you alive so that you can reach 70 or 80 and say, what a good life. 70 or 80, no problems, no achievements, no issues, no challenges, nothing. I had a good life. That's not why God's brought you here. Bring it on, Jesus. Amen. If it's in the wilderness, if there's a challenge, and if there's a purpose attached to the challenge, bring it on, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bring it on, Jesus. So that we might fulfill the purposes of God upon our life and generation. In the wilderness, God will take you through three three things in the wilderness. The first thing God will take you through the wilderness. If people say there is no wilderness in Christian life, in the spiritual aspect, there is no wilderness for those who walk in the spirit and filled with the word. But on an everyday life, there are wildernesses. I know almost all the great saints of God that I've known have said there are seasons, especially the silence of God. God's just silent. And what do you do when God's not saying anything? Some wise man of God said like this, when God is silent, you better not open your mouth. (laughs) Because if you open your mouth, you and I, will we will say the wrong things. And we will complain and we'll accuse me. And all of that. Wilderness, built into the system of wilderness, is, is deprivation. Lack is built into the system of wilderness. And that is why when they were in the wilderness, there was deprivation. But if there is deprivation, built into the system of wilderness, is also God's supernatural provision. There is lack, but there is provision. That is why he's saying, you, I humbled you, and you went hungry, and you lacked, and all of that. But I opened up the heavens, and I made a way which is not your preferred way. Amen. I made a way which is not your preferred way, so that you will know it is I who blessed you. And you will know it is I who has brought you thus far. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So there is deprivation in the wilderness. And there is also provision in the wilderness. But with provision, God brings you to a place of purpose in the wilderness. Hallelujah. Why? So that you, through this miraculous power, the nations have heard that God has defeated the armies on the way, given manna from heaven, brought water from the rock, did miracles, cast out the enemies, and took them to the promised land, so that the nations will know that there is a God who is alive. Hallelujah. Why does God give you and me trouble? Allow us to go through trouble so that we can see God's supernatural provision and miracle in our life that the nations will know 
that Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. That is why God is saying, don't stop at provision. Man shall not live by provision alone, by bread alone, but by every rhema, every word, every rhema, revelation that comes from the mouth of God. It is when we begin to live and walk in rhema and live and walk in revelation, that is when we truly have started living. Hallelujah. That's when we have truly started living. And Jesus today is saying, I am the bread. And I am the water that can fill your hearts, it can fill your souls. I am the bread of life. Jesus said, if anyone hungers or thirsts, come to me. He stood up on the great day of the feast in John 7, 37 said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. And from his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. And I want you to know today, God is literally wanting to say, wanting to fill us with his rhema, with his word, with his revelation, with his, so that the excitement of our life would be knowing that God has spoken to us that day. Hallelujah. Knowing that there's a skip in your foot, knowing that God's with you. And even in his silence, many times God speaks. Hallelujah. Even in his silence, God speaks. One day I heard a man of God say like this, he said, if God is silent, you're not sure what to do, take a step forward. Take a step forward. And if it is not God's step, God will show you it is not. But take a step forward anyway. Unless he tells you to wait. In your heart you know that you just have to wait. It's a waiting season. Otherwise, you might say take a step forward in faith. Because the, the water parted only when they stepped into the water. Amen. You know, Lazarus came out only when they rolled away the stone. Hallelujah. There are many things that open up for us only when we take that step. Only then can we see the plans and the goodness of God. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God reveals God. Just reveals, reveals the revelation of Him. Every word that comes out of our mouth reveals who we are. And every word that comes out of God's mouth reveals who He is. And when we respond to who He is and live according to who He is and, and step out on who He is, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes in a mighty way to fulfill the purposes of God. People of God, let me say this. Don't live your life by the, for the provision of God. By the provision of God. But by the instructions of God. Amen. Don't live your life for the provisions of God. Live your life by the instructions of God. The provisions will follow. Matthew 6.33 Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I can tell you in the last one year God has been so faithful. I have lacked nothing. God has supplied all our needs. God has just met everything because God, He is a good God. Amen. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. And if you don't feed that spirit man with the word and the water of God's word, you don't feed that spirit man, the spirit man will go dry. Somebody said like this, that within my heart there are two natures. One I love and the one I hate. But the one I feed will dominate. In my heart are two natures, the one I love and the one I hate. But the one I feed will dominate. And so we need to know who we are feeding. Because the one you feed can leave you dead in the wilderness. That's why it's important for us. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do not worry about what you'll eat and drink, because God shall be your abundant supply. Every eye closed in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Father. Father, we want to praise you today. 
Father, we want to praise you because not our will, not our plans, not what we want, but what you want, Lord. Be magnified, O Lord. Father, we submit our lives into your hands. You're all sufficient one today. Hallelujah. Those of you are saying, hey, Lord, I really want to, in a fresh way, submit my life to, life to God. I want you to stand up and, and just tell the Lord this between you and God. And I want, it, it's, The blessing of God is not in the provision. It's the true blessing of God is in us responding to His instruction. Hallelujah. God is with you today. I sense in my heart and you just want to, you just want to make a decision again and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Father, we worship you. We worship you. Father, we're responding to your word, O oh God. We're responding that man shall not live by bread alone. Even those that are watching online, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. Hallelujah. And Lord, we want to, and we want to get that rhema by reading the word and we want to get that rhema by stepping out and obeying. And Lord, what is that thing that Lord's been asking you, putting on your heart that, that you need, you can step out and do it and, and honor the Lord by your obedience. Father, we submit our lives, Father. Thank you, Lord, even as all those are standing, Lord, and making a fresh commitment and saying, Jesus, I really want to respond to you or respond to your word. And we will respond to this word. Man shall not live by bread alone. We're not going to live for bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, Father, I pray a blessing on the church. I pray a blessing on each one, Father, even as we dedicate our lives fresh. Lord, even I, Lord, even I, I'm standing and saying, Lord, I want to live by your rhema, Lord. We want to live by your rhema. We want to live by the word that comes from the mouth of God. We want to live in response, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. We want to live, Lord, not, not perish in the wilderness, Lord, but to walk under the obedience of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in such a mighty way that we will cross into the promised land. And Lord God, we will say, thus look what the Lord has done. So Father, we submit our lives, we worship you. We give you the glory and the honor. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.